My name is Mike Wong, and you're listening to Strange New Worlds, a science and Star Trek podcast. If you listened to the last episode, episode 53, you know that I talked to Dr. Peter Gao about oxygen false positive biosignatures and reviewed the Short Trek episode Runaway from a science and Star Trek perspective with the help of a digital postcard from Dr. James T. Keene. After we talked about Runaway, Peter and I geeked out about the Star Trek Discovery Season 2 trailer, which was released at the then very recent New York Comic Con. In this bonus episode, I'll play you that discussion, and if you'd like to follow along with the trailer, I've included a link to that in the show notes. But before we do that, I want to share a good point that James made based on the discussion that Peter and I had about abiotic sources of oxygen. So shortly after I released episode 53, I got a tweet from James where he asked if worlds with abiotic oxygen could be habitable, yet uninhabited M-class planets. M-class being the designation in Star Trek for a world that is suitable for humanoid life. Well, it just so happens that colleagues of mine at Caltech and JPL have recently proposed that abiotic oxygen on Mars, created by the destruction of CO2 with ultraviolet light, that same mechanism that Peter described in the last episode of Strange New Worlds, could be sufficient to sustain microorganisms or even simple animal life that breathe oxygen. I've included a link in the show notes to a news article that has more info on that study. But even though there is some oxygen on Mars, there definitely isn't enough to sustain you, me, Michael Burnham, or Saru. So Mars is definitely not M-class. And I'm not even 100% convinced that it is habitable for microorganisms, despite the oxygen that is present. Mars might still be too harsh for life as we know it, because some other environmental factors could be too extreme. Maybe its temperatures are too cold, or the dosage of radiation too high, or the salt content of what little intermittent dew condenses on Mars's surface is just too harsh. There are so many factors that go into habitability, and we don't really have a good definition of what M-class really means. Does M-class just pertain to the amount of oxygen in the atmosphere? Or does it also include other environmental factors? Which I'm sure it does, but which ones? This is why I think it would be so much fun to convene a real-life workshop to actually come up with a scientific definition for what Star Trek's M-class designation really means. And maybe that can be a future episode of Strange New Worlds as well. Okay, one last tidbit before we embark on the trailer discussion. Speaking of Mars, last week, NASA's InSight lander stuck its landing on the Martian surface. InSight, 
is a mission to peer inside of Mars using techniques that we have never performed on a planet other than Earth. It is truly going to do what no human-made spacecraft has done before, to help us understand the formation and history of our neighbor world. Best of luck to InSight and its Earth-bound scientific teams, and I hope to bring you more exciting Mars stories in the months to come. Alright, why don't we get to that trailer discussion? Peter, are you ready for the New York Comic Con trailer? Yes. Here we go. Asteroid field. Wait, actually, hold on. Go back to the... Go, go, hold on. <laughs> you want me to back up already? Five seconds into the thing, nothing has happened. This is going to take, like, 20 minutes, but yes, please. All right, all right. Because I want to see if there's anything in the asteroid field besides just asteroids. Okay. Yeah, because there's, like, some gold stuff happening right here. Oh, you think that's a ship? Uh, I don't know. It's ship. Could be just reflection. Are you playing? Okay, that's a discovery. Yeah. Okay, okay. I guess they're just big asteroids. It's not clear. And then here's people. Yep. Okay. They're walking around, oh. and there's the ship. There's the the Hi- Hiawatha or something. Uh, I, I, I don't know. Oh. Is this spoilers? Whoops. I don't know. It's all right. Yeah. I mean, it's I, in it's in the tr- we're we're doing a Star- science and Star Trek podcast. It, you can, you can spoil me. Yeah. So I so well. First of all, I, I just remembered that you actually see that word later in the trailer, so we'll point that out. Okay. Uh, but also, I think I read it on Trek movie. So uh, yeah, I think it's there's something about the USS Hiawatha. Oh, is this the uh, the the ship that the engineer comes from? Comes from the That's comedian. Right. That's right. Yeah. Tignataro. Tignataro, right. That's right. Okay. But wait, wait, wait. So that ship is very strange, right? It has sort of like, like the front of the saucer is round, but then it goes into like a rectangle. And then the back is like super angular and rectangular and everything. And it looks like it's bent. Yeah, it, the saucer section almost reminds me of the Excelsior class a little bit. Um, oh, yeah. With this kind of... I don't know how you describe it. Just the shape of the inset into what is nominally the saucer. Yeah. This kind of asteroid field, I don't know. We well, we can talk about asteroid fields, but yeah. it's just so weird looking because there's these arches that connect asteroids and that, I don't know. Okay. It looks like Armageddon. Yeah. Using Armageddon. Oh, yeah, Armageddon. <laughs> I, I, yeah. yeah, I remember that from yeah. my childhood. Yeah, very sharp rocks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we have... Now, two or three or however many little robots bouncing around an asteroid, the Hayabusa spacecraft, Hayabusa 2, I believe. And this is a real spacecraft, not that crumpled up ship. Right, right. Not USS Hayabusa, but Hayabusa the probe. Yeah, I guess we can talk more about it later. But we have movies and plenty of images from the surface of an asteroid. And they're not very sharp. It's It's pretty flat, actually. What do you think the reason for that is? Is just things knock into each other. They crumble up. They become very small particles right. instead of these giant spires of, you know, hard rock. Yeah. There's plenty of space weathering. There's plenty of very small space dust hitting everything, uh, including asteroids. And there's no real reason for an asteroid that's been around for 4 billion years or more to have all these giant pieces of rock still intact. 
But anyway, that's, I think, more for another episode. More for when this episode premieres and we can talk about asteroids. Okay. Yeah. Let's move on. It's a promise. Oh, shoot. Who's talking? Is that... Oh, yeah. So Captain Pike is now captain of the Discovery. Pause. So is that the galaxy? You know what? I didn't think it was before in the first trailer, but I do think it is now. That's a... That's a weird looking galaxy. It is a weird looking galaxy. So, so what we're looking at is, I guess, a simulation um, that Michael Burnham is also looking at of these red bursts. And they're embedded in what looks like a very cloudy disk of hazy material with a bright spot at the center, which is, I guess, the center of the galaxy, which is pretty bright because they're a dense cluster of stars That's right. uh, in that region. So I don't know what we're looking at, honestly, because it looks so dusty. And maybe we're just looking at the dust profile of the galaxy uh, with mm. the stars removed. I think the, the, the confusion is I've just never seen the galaxy represented like this. We've seen galaxies in Star Trek before. We've seen the Milky Way galaxy animated before and does not look like this. So I guess we'll find out more. Discoverers determine the source and intent of those signals. More asteroids. Wait, actually, can we see the shuttle bay? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to back up to... Yeah, there we go. All right. Yeah. Why is the shuttle bay always open now? That's, why is it open like Because they have force fields, I guess. <laughs> what? Just using up energy. But all right, fine. <laughs> that's a big opening. Yeah, it's um, a big shuttle bay, too. Yeah. Okay, well, there's nothing obvious, weird about it, I guess. It's just open for no reason. Yeah. Second 29 of the trailer. Yes, you can see the wide, gaping opening of the shuttle bay on the USS Discovery. Yep. Marvel at it. Okay. Continuing to play. Mm. The Red Angel. Wait, hold on. So there was a lot of flashing um, displays in that hug yeah. scene. Maybe you wanna we, yeah. you wanna back up to that? Okay, yeah. let's, let's see if we can identify this Red Angel. And uh, okay, here we go. Wait, wait. Uh, before that. Okay. Before that, when okay. they were hugging. And they were hugging. Oh, yeah, because there was a lot in the background. Yeah, there we go. Okay, so we're, we're so, looking at, who's that? Uh, Amanda and Michael Burnham? Or? Yeah. So Amanda yeah. and Michael Burnham are hugging. We're going to play this here. And ooh, oh. it, was, it went by so fast. Okay, let's so see if I can catch it What is that? Wait, wait, that, that's an image. Oh, that's, that's a good point. So before the red angel appears on this computer screen, we see a nexus of blue and pinkish stuff. Yeah. Um, Would be a map of the galaxy? Or I don't know. I don't know. It just It reminds me of the magnetic field lines of like the Earth, you know, <laughs> in the core where just, everything gets so messed up. Uh, so uh, It's like a so hairball. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. So just, oops, code and... There was a sign. Oh, that's, that's, there was... that's like Vulcan script. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's guess, cool. This must be Spock's quarters or something. Yeah, and then there's a person. There's a there's an image of a body. Okay, a humanoid that's not the angel. Yeah, and then some some circles. What with appears color. like more Vulcan more script. Vulcan. That's right. Okay. And then perhaps something about Spock. I mean, for all we know, this is after they've already found Spock and are... 
looking at his health or something. Anyway, there's a lot of stuff there, but it all leads to the Red Angel. And we really can't find anything about the Red Angel from just looking at the Red Angel, so. That's right. Just gonna move on here. I hope Barnum's staring. Okay, they're buzzing through the. Okay. Case. There we go. Yeah. That's Can, a big deal. Yeah. So the, we're we're now looking at a, a a projection hologram of a Klingon battle cruiser, and this looks like the classic D seven Klingon battle cruiser from the original series, which is so refreshing to see. Because yes. one of the things that so irked me about season one of Star Trek Discovery was particularly in episode five, where Captain Lorca is kidnapped. He's kidnapped by what is called a D7 battlecruiser that honestly looks nothing like what we know a D7 battlecruiser should look like. That's right. It was this green triangular thing that looks more Romulan than Klingon. Yeah, just and, a big triangle yeah. with no neck. Right. So I, I guess we're going to get to see the Klingons that we're used to seeing That's right. on Discovery. So yeah. this is the first hint of that. And... Oh, it's just so refreshing to see. It's a, it's a great starship design anyway. It's beautiful. And it's I'm I'm looking forward to, to, to seeing an updated version. And also if you look closely, these are all Klingons here. Over oh, good here on eye. these platforms. Yeah. So they are looking I guess they're deciding by committee, or at least looking by committee at their new potential highly advanced battlecruiser. It's like a NASA review panel you know, for, for <laughs> yeah. Starship. Maybe they're selecting the yeah. weaponry that will be on the payload for this new spacecraft. Yeah, exactly. You, know? you, you did not sufficiently demonstrate the effectiveness of this battlecruiser. <laughs> or you did. Whatever. Major weakness. Yes. No cloaking device. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, um, yeah. yeah, this is great. Okay, yeah. so let's let's keep going. Yep. And I remember this part. We have uh, Michelle Yeoh. Yeah! Michelle Yeoh back. Oh my goodness. Section thirty-one, and they're going through the tunnel again. Nice. I love the music. The music. Okay. Wait. Okay. Um, but, so Stamets and Tig Notaro, the engineer, are looking into this. Moist cavity. <laughs> <laughs> Something biological. Yep. But we don't know what it is. This might be connected to the later scene of, of uh, Tilly, which we'll, we'll get to. Um, but yeah, at this moment we can continue, but very shortly because we're about to see... Hair! Oh my goodness. It's a Klingon with hair. And an epic mustache and beard. So have you been uh, following the Twitter stuff? That yeah. Okay, so yeah. why don't you summarize that? Yeah, so essentially, uh, Mary... What's it? Cheflo? Chifo? Chifo, sorry. So Mary Chifo has been doing Twitter rounds, essentially giving an explanation for why the Klingons were hairless in the first season. And her explanation was that the Klingons shaved their hair during times of conflict, and since the houses were warring with each other all throughout season one and before, and then also with the Federation, they essentially kept themselves bald. But now that they're unified and the war with the Federation is over, they are allowing themselves to grow hair. Now, why did they not do this during, say, the Dominion War or the Klingon Civil War? The explanation is perhaps, well, that's a hundred plus years in the future and certainly traditions change. Perhaps they didn't want to rid themselves of their luscious manes. <laughs> you buy it? How do you feel about this? I'm fine with this. 
I mean, I've never been one of those fans that put that much weight into alien appearances too much. I mean, even with hair, the ridges and various knobs and stuff on these Klingons are still different from the Klingons we see later. So there are still subtle differences. And I can totally buy Klingons doing ritual hair cutting during a war. Sure, why not? I mean, it cuts down on enemies pulling your hair in battle. (laughs) I guess that's a great question, yeah. Not only can I stab you in the eyes with my fingers, but I can also grab your hair. (laughs) Exactly. Um... I just want to ask your opinion on what do you think happened uh, from a production point of view? Do you think they wanted to go with a radically different Klingon look, so they purposely decided we're going to shave Klingons' heads, and they purposely decided we're just not going to have any Klingons with hair, and then they sort of backpedaled on that idea later, and they're like, actually, we do want Klingons to have hair, and we're just going to make up a reason why, because during times of conflict, they shave their heads. Or do you think it was a little more planned out than that? And they wanted this to be part of the Klingon mythos, part of the Klingon culture, that they shaved their heads during times of conflict, and that it was always planned for Klingons to change their appearances back to having full manes when they got reunited underneath Laurel as the plot developed. That's a really good question. I mean, I guess we'll never know the real answer. I guess we'll see what happens in season two and whether they put that much emphasis on this change. If they do and really give an explanation and actually adds to the plot of it, then perhaps it's been planned this whole time because it seems like such a tiny plot element to put that much thought over, despite the fans whining about all of this. Uh, Like I said, I was never one of them. And perhaps they just backpedal. Perhaps they wanted to show us the cool head ridges extending all the way to the back of their heads or something but yeah well they have hair fans are happy <laughs> fans are happy i'm happy all right here we go yeah. oh shoot mm. number one number one yep we are hitting you <laughs> oh here we go okay. so this we're thing out all right so this is i mean the the obvious thing to think is that that little particle that went into that little green particle that went into tilly grew into this kind of interdimensional flesh bag. <laughs> uh, and this is what uh, Stamets and and uh, Engineer, played by Tignataro, peered into earlier on the trailer. So the question is, is this thing related to Dr. Culver in some way? And is this how they're going to get him back through this sort of essentially growing him from a spore complete with previous Dr. Colbert's memories and feelings? That's a great question. That's also the scenario that I played in my mind. You want to take a bet on this, Peter? Because uh, I feel like another bet needs to be made between us. Okay, well... Given what happens in the rest of the trailer. (laughs) Yes, I'm not going to get my starship. Uh, Yeah, sure. Well, my bet is that that thing is Dr. Colbert or will uh, evolve or will spit out Dr. Colbert. That is probably what's going to happen, but I guess I'll have to take the opposite stance. If that thing does not become Dr. Culber, then I win this bet. Okay, well, I think mine is much more likely, so we can do the same thing we did before. And if I win, you buy me ice cream. If you win, I buy you a starship. Not Deal. A, not an actual starship, but yeah. Deal. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. All right. What do, we, what do we want to call this ball of interdimensional flesh? 
perhaps. I mean, we don't even know that it's related to the mycelial network. That's right. For all we know, it could be... What's her name? Pose. <laughs> I don't know. Poe did something to Tilly. No, I don't know. Oh, okay, you know what? With that in mind, let's just let's just bet on ice cream. <laughs> I feel like this could yeah, I guess this could be a random alien problem of the week thing. Let's just bet on ice cream. Alright, alright, alright. Ice cream it is. Ice cream it is. Okay. Let's keep going. Yeah. Whoa. Okay, wait, wait, wait. So this is something that even I, I think Trek movie didn't mention, but when they were going through that corridor that blue corridor, there's like random stuff on the walls. There's like glow-in-the-dark stuff on the walls. That is super good eye-catching because, okay, so we're at minute one, second 26. This image lasts for like less than a second. It's a dark corridor with blue light and a couple of flashlights. I guess they're exploring it. It's probably on that damaged ship, Han. Could be, yeah. yeah. And it looks like Peter has spotted... You're right, there's like glow-in-the-dark, I don't know, it looks like a bird or a dinosaur. Oh, I think they're just random, like, crystalline or some kind of weird residue. Um, so let me just play this for a moment. So you can see, like, it's all over. There's some here, there's some here, right? There's some here, I think. Oh, I thought it was a yeah. bird. There we go. There's, like, all, there we go, right? So it's kind of all over the place. I still yeah. see a bird. Well, okay, yeah, that, that particular <laughs> patch looks like a bird. I'll admit that. Okay, but you don't uh, think it's actually a bird. I don't think it's a bird. Okay, fine. Uh, but there's definitely these patches. Whoops. Right? So there's like more over here and some kind of residue on the wall. All walls. right. I, I, I believe you know that that's not a bird. Um, but it reminds me of uh, Trillium D. Oh, my goodness. So they're anomalies. They are in an asteroid field. They're, they're in an asteroid field. Just like that really creepy episode of with the zombie Vulcans. Yes. Um, wow. I can't remember its name right now. Impulse. Impulse. There we go. Season three of Enterprise. Yeah, yeah that, that was, was like, a scary episode. That was an awesome episode. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like every Halloween I have a tradition of watching that episode. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, I should visit during Halloween all these days. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. You think it's Trillium D protecting from some kind of anomalies? That would be an incredible callback. Um, just because of how obscure, I mean, I think it's fairly obscure in in terms of Trek trivia. So yeah. I, I would probably not think it's Trilindy and something related to just the overall mystery of this ship and overall mystery of the Red Bursts, perhaps. Um, but if it is Trillium D and it's being used to protect against anomalies, that would be awesome. That would be incredible. All right, let's keep moving. Good eye, though, Peter. Thank you. I actually went through the trailer bit by bit earlier. To prepare? To prepare. You honor me by your preparation for this. You did your homework, Peter. Of course. This is homework I like to do. Oh, yeah. Okay. Here we go. Okay. All right. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. So, so where are they? Where is this? I'm going to guess this is Saru's quarter. So we're looking at a scene, minute one, second, 29. Peter, we've advanced a full three seconds. <laughs> um, uh, where Michael Burnham is comforting Saru, who has his shirt off and has <laughs> lots of alien... Um, Ness. Alienness uh, across his torso, yeah. uh, which I guess is to be expected for a Kelpian. But yeah, he's lying on a, a, a bed of moss, and I'm just going to guess this is his quarters. Yeah, that's really cool. I guess we've never seen custom-made quarters in Star Trek before. Everything is starkly issue. 
Alright. And then I think this uh, minute, one thirty-one seconds. Okay, we've gone two seconds <laughs> into the future. Well done. <laughs> Excellent. So this was uh, in the previous trailer. I maintained that we are in the shuttle bay and we are uh, looking out. And I think they probably capture an asteroid. That's what happened. They used this thing, this circling device to capture an asteroid that's just floating around in the middle of the shuttle bay with a bunch of people under it looking at it, which seems unsafe. <laughs> okay, so now they're they're like they're like propelling, propelling down, down a wall. yeah. Well, it looks like a hull. It actually, looks like a starship hull. Yeah, um, and they're in EV suits, so that matches. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, so this is where I'm gonna look very closely. But minute one thirty-five seconds in the back, these boxes you can see Hiawatha written on it oh vertically oh yeah hiawatha does that mean hiawatha oh no hiawatha hiawatha um uh, who knows who knows what that means we'll look i it mean up. it's the ship right it's the ship's name it's a ship but it's probably some cultural thing that uh oh let's look it up right now okay we have the power of the internet oh hold on i'll use my phone so oh, you don't okay. you don't back yeah. out of that thing so hiawatha was a pre-colonial Native American leader and co-founder of the Iroquois Confederacy. Wow. Okay. That's pretty nice. So Star Trek is, 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 I guess, getting more diverse in terms of ship names. It was already the case with Discovery that there was more multicultural ship names. And now we've uh, reached into uh, Native Americans. That's I great. love that. I love that. That's yeah. great. Um, so Shenzhou meant the mystic ship yep. in Chinese. Chinese. That's right. And Hiawatha means, or is the name of... Name of the founder of the Iroquois Confederacy, which is a, a essentially a nation of Native Americans that occupied a good chunk of eastern North America. Amazing. I'm learning history on my Science and Star Trek podcast. Right. Let me just make sure. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, let's, uh, let's move on. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Discovery could be doing something impossible. And also, we're at 1 minute 49 seconds. Before that, we see uh, essentially a big metal structure. And I I don't know what it is. I hope it's not. Um, it looks like a brewery. So I hope, oh, it's not no. the, I hope it's not Discovery Engineering section. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was at yeah. 147. All right, moving on. Whoa, intense. Spawn! What do you think of that voice? Is that... Can is that be real honest? I did not... ...think that was Spock at first. It kind of sounds like Sarek. Yeah. Yeah. I... I was pretty sure it wasn't Spock. I was like 50% sure it was Sarek. Mm. And, but, but, he, but it's Spock. But he's talking about things that Spock would talk about. Yeah. I saw these things when I was a child, etc., etc. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like father, like son. <gasps> red, red, red. 
Red. Only four. January 17th. All right. It's going to be a big day. Yeah. Where are you going to be on January 17th? I will be at home taking care of my baby. <laughs> Not doing anything else. Um, except I will try, try my hardest to watch uh, the new episode. I mean, you're going to make your baby watch the new episode, right? Oh, of right? course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. It's, it's pretty amazing. Like, all the things that I loved... Uh, as a younger person, a teenager is coming back. Star Trek has already come back. Star Wars is going strong. Avatar The Last Airbender is coming back. All we need is Stargate to come back and my teenage fandom will all have returned. You owe me ice cream. <laughs> That's right. Bye everyone, we're gonna go get ice cream because <laughs> if you haven't listened to the first uh, trailer recap that we did, we bet on Spock, and Spock appeared, so therefore I need some ice cream. Yeah, I bet that Spock would only appear in the last episode, and we would not see his face, only hear his voice. As a major teaser for season three, but it seems that uh, the writers will leave an even bigger teaser for season three, which is not hiding Spock. There's a ship there, and I've never seen anything like it. Have you? That's a really great point. We should wait for this police siren to die down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the city. Oh, my God.